Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur, soon to be the new ninja of Twitch. I don't think he knows what that means. It's Benny Horowitz. I have no idea. But this is, <laughs> this is I think, the angle I need to come from is like the Dion Warwick on Twitter <laughs> angle, which is like, I know I'm not really supposed to be here, but I'm having fun with it, you know? Because isn't that, isn't that what the kids do? That's exactly what they do. The and... one thing I don't want to be as I get older is a self-righteous old man who thinks <laughs> what I thought was better and stuff like that. If someone pull, cruises in here and is like, you know what, I like Steely Dan too, then we'll chat a little bit. But if you want to tell me about some new mumble rapper <laughs> that I need to know about, yo, lay it on me. I just, on a business call yesterday, heard all about this young blood. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting there, you know? Look at this. And my goal, and I would love for this to happen, I want the chat to take over the show so they start telling us what to talk about and yes. we're not prepared and it goes completely Please. off the rails. Please. Life is strange. Let's get into it. If if I can go on a journey with a bunch of 18-year-old kids, <laughs> give them a little of this salty old wisdom I have, and they can give me that boost of energy that I need to to imagine that life is still worth trucking along, you know, <laughs> like, uh, this is good. This could be a, a great, a great mix here. Yeah. Well, Benny, so speaking of crazy and, you know, we kind of got to get into this for our first headline today, but, uh, you know, let's talk about some cinnamon toast crunch Ooh. and, Benny, on Monday morning, a man named Jensen Karp, a 41-year-old comedian in Los Angeles, was eating a bowl of his favorite cereal. And yes. as he was beginning his second bowl, and I think that's one of the many uh, <laughs> yeah. small details that make this story absolutely yeah. great, something popped out of the box, and he said, I picked it up, and I was like, is this a shrimp tail? And yeah. then he looked and saw another shrimp tail encrusted in sugar. And the way the picture has it, um, you can't. It's it, it's pretty clear that it is a uh, shrimp tail, a, a shrimp tail, and not um, a cinnamon toast crunch. Um, so Carp, and then this story has so many levels. Carp is married to Danielle Fischel, who, for those of us from the '90s, Topanga from Boy Meets Topanga. World, oh, absolutely crazy. Crush. Everyone's crush. <laughs> uh. He then sent an email to General Mills documenting what he'd found. Uh, soon after he posted the picture, uh, they go back and forth on on, on Twitter. And at first, it, it's very cordial. They're very nice. He's happy about it. Uh, the brand issues a public statement, and this is when they uh, Carp thinks they try to quote unquote gaslight him. So here we go. After further investigation with our team that closely examined the image, it appears to be an accumulation of sugar that sometimes can occur when ingredients thoroughly blend. God, nope. thoroughly is the word that really puts it over there. Nope. The statement from Cinnamon Toast, Toast Crunch reads, We assure you that there's no possibility of cross-contamination with the shrimp. And this is when Carp was like, they're trying to gaslight me. Which, to be fair, if you see a shrimp tail... And the company was like, no, it's not. Like, they're the callback on a, a Bruno Mars song. Like, come on, you kind of get in there, and, and you're like, all right. So, eventually, he tries to take it to a lab to get tested to prove what the world can already see. Uh, the lab declines it. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Twitter says, send the box back to us. We'll get you a, a new box. He doesn't want to send it to them so that they don't have evidence of some kind. And the whole thing just develops into chaos. So, Benny, what do you make of this great story? What a way to start this right. week. Yeah, well, you laid it out pretty pretty extensively um, about what it's about. 
So the, the thing about this, like you said, it has a lot of fun layers. And this is the reason it's a good story, right? Is A, if this was a random person who wasn't married to Topanga from Boy Meets World, we may have never even heard about it, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of a like a, a celebrity kind of thing going on here. But at first, it's clearly in the photo shrimp tails. Yeah. I don't need a lab to analyze it <laughs> for my eyes to tell me that those are six little mini shrimp tails in the photo. <laughs> so the first thing that comes to mind with Cinnamon Toast Crunch denying this is sabotage. It's sabotaged by one side or the other. And this is what makes the Cinnamon Toast Crunch conspiracy a clue level scandal that we may never get to the bottom. <laughs> and this is why I actually believe Cinnamon Toast Crunch mm. in the idea that cross-contamination might not have been possible. Yeah. I can't imagine the Cinnamon Toast Crunch plant or whatever's happening over at That's General shrimp. Mills having any, you know, they, they, they're they in the business of protecting this product. And I don't even know where shrimp tails would exist in the General Mills factory where they make Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So the idea that it cross-contaminated with one box and only one and half a dozen are only in one that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm. What does make sense is a funny General Mills line worker potentially having six little shrimp tails in their pocket and going <laughs> and just tossing them into a box just to have fun. Yeah. I used to wear fake mustaches on the subway yeah. just to see people's reactions. Do you think there might be an employee of this factory at home with their families on the internet right now yucking it up? laughing at the conspiracy that they caused by tossing a few shrimp tails into a bag. Now, another layer of the potential scandal is Mr. Jensen here. Never trust someone with that first name anyway. Uh, Jensen? Listen, these are borderline former celebrities. (laughs) Who's to say he didn't stage the photo with six shrimp tails? Mm. I mean, you can't open a box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch play six shrimp tails in front of it, totally random, and start a campaign on Twitter, especially when your wife is Topanga. It might get (laughs) enough uh, juice to get out there. So I actually believe Cinnamon Toast Crunch response that it wasn't cross-contamination. I don't believe that this image I'm seeing is clumped up sugar. So one of two things happened. We have a rogue line worker who tossed shrimp tails into a bag or Mr. Jensen here is a is a damn liar looking for some fame on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I could definitely see the second one happening a hundred percent. So, so is that where we're leaning? I I, I think that's Jensen, where you're on watch, Jensen Carp. That's right. That's right. Uh, by the way, in the chat, this is off to a marvelous start. People are saying that they can't hear Benny. So. This is off to such a, a, a rip-roaring start. See, this is why us quote-unquote boomers, this, Benny, no, should not. No, no. Listen, I'm I'm way older than you. <laughs> you can't use this card on me saying you're too old to use Twitch. The reason I do this show with you, Danny, <laughs> is because you put us on Twitch. Okay? This is your job. I'm just supposed to show up and be old. Man, I tested this yesterday, and everything was perfect. I was on Twitch with my brother, our Twitch with my brother, and it... It worked out. Listen, we're in double A. It's all right. 
some of these kids, man, dude, this, this makes me feel so old because like I should be able to do this. I went to college for this and you know, I'm just failing the entire tune up community. So well, listen, let me tell you one thing I've learned about radio. Yeah. Self-deprecation, not entertaining. Come on. Wait, what are you talking about? Howard Stern made a whole career five. out of We're this. We're doing five. What are you talking about? That's We're so producing crazy. a podcast here. Let's go. Okay. All right. Whoa. Well, now that we got that snafu out of the way, let's get into this day in music history. So this day in 1971, the Rolling Stones lips and tongue logo appears for the first time when it's used on VIP passes for their show at the Marquee Club in London. Now, this is pretty cool because it's obviously one of the most iconic images in rock and roll history the Rolling Stone tongue and lips, but I'd never knew how it came to pass. And apparently it was designed by John Pash, a student at the prestigious Royal College of Art in London, Mm. who apparently also uh, a student there was Storm Ferguson, who designed Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon album cover. Mm. So pretty, pretty prestigious school for rock and roll album covers. Now, this is where it's funny. Stone's management called the school looking for a student to design a poster for their 1970 European tour. And the thing this got me thinking about was this is pre-graphic design. This is pre-little kids sitting around on computers making stuff. Like if you wanted real art and you wanted an image in 1970, you had to find an artist to paint it and create it. And that's a, a difference about design these days. I mean, can you imagine like Post Malone's management team calling RISD being like, this is, can someone make me a new Posty logo or something, you know? Yeah. So the, uh, he designed a poster for the Rolling Stones and the project went so well, he was given another assignment to create a logo or symbol, which may be used on notepaper, a program cover or a cover for the press book. Then this, this college student got to meet with Mick Jagger. Wow. Who showed him a picture of the Indian goddess Kali rendered sticking out a long pointed tongue using that as a basis he came up with the tongue and lips logo earning 50 pounds for his efforts so he got 50 pounds for the uh tongue and lips logo and then apparently after it debuted on the vip passes they put it on the insert for sticky fingers album which i don't know if you've ever seen has the real working zipper on the cover Mm -hmm. the andy warhol uh uh, designed it's one of the most iconic album covers ever so this random college student uh played a huge part in it now you'd wonder did he make money from hmm. this and did they ever give him anything for it but apparently he made his 50 pounds when he created it and then apparently he got 10 percent of net income on sales of merchandise displaying the logo he estimates he made a few thousand pounds in royalties until 1982 and he sold his copyright to the band for 26,000 pounds. So this guy uh, designed one of the most iconic rock and roll logos in history. And from my running tally here, he made about 30,000 pounds for it. That's, Not great. I mean, that's, but that's the life of an artist. You kind of hope for that one thing that's going to be like, all right, millions of dollars here. So, and I there's so many people works. that have created iconic things that just don't get paid for it. I mean, so. Yeah. Well, you get paid in maybe uh, like uh, cultural stock. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he could walk into a bar any point for the rest of his life, hit on people and say, 
I designed the lick and tongue logos, you know? <laughs> I think it, it, it gives What's you some the cultural age of the person that that works on? Like, going to a job application, you know, like, like, but, but the money, it's, it's not there. It's only the prestige. You know? Oh, well, Benny, speaking of prestige, on this day in 1958 at 6.35 a.m., Elvis Presley reported to the Memphis Draft Board, uh, you know, to kind of start his service. Two years prior, in the summer of 1956, his manager, aware of his draft status, wrote the Pentagon requesting that Presley be considered for special services. Special services would allow Presley to do only six weeks before going back and resuming life like normal, uh, with the exception of performing a few times a year. However, his manager was not into that because then the the ironic thing in that contract is that the U.S. government would own those recordings and the videos going forward, and he's like, wow. only Elvis is going to profit off of that. Uh, Uncle Sam, there's no way that you're going to profit off of that. So, so yeah, um, on this day... 1958, Elvis begins his whole journey into the U.S. military. Look at that. Proud American, borderline libertarian. <laughs> and it's right, like, Elvis. stay out of my pocketbook. Yeah, so. I, I heard the stories of Elvis's military service as, as being, yes, very soft. You know, he didn't have to do any, like, real hard time service yeah but apparently he was a great guy to be around oh i've seen interviews and stuff with like some of the former soldiers that elvis was was uh was in the group <laughs> with and apparently he was he was a good sport about it he wasn't like hey i'm elvis i don't want to do anything you know he, he he became part of the team yeah to to help like murder people you know <laughs> cool team well on that note i think we're going to stop the twitch stream because i can't host the show produce the podcast and do the, the twitch at the same time so for we'll those next time. couple people that tuned in thank you so much suzanne we will work on benny's uh audio for next time that's my bad have no idea what happened there but uh the twitch world i think that this was a first good first endeavor for us and uh we'll be back soon Hey, Benny, first headline today, Warner Music and Tencent Entertainment said Tuesday that they have expanded their long-running relationship while also partnering on a new joint record label to target the Chinese market. Uh, Tencent is obviously the preeminent media outlet in China. Uh, they have been licensing Warner Music songs for over a decade under the expanded deal. Warner Music's uh, repertoire will be made across all of Tencent's streaming platforms in China, uh, which include, you know, your the equivalent of their Spotify's, their Sirius XM's, all of those things for mobile and in the car listening. So Benny, I think if you read between the lines here, uh, Warner's has been showing Tencent how to act like an American music company in China. Uh, we saw the film industry do this for the past 20 years, and now some of the most popular films in China are Chinese domestic yeah. films. And you know that's kind of giving Hollywood pause for the future because the only reason that the the Marvel Cinematic Universe exists is because it made hundreds of millions of dollars in China. So this looks like a short-term cash grab that has long-term problems. But what do you think? I mean, it's it's complicated. The the first thing that always comes into mind with this is, you know, they it could run into the same problems the NBA does, which yeah. is that we care about certain things and we take a moral ground to certain things, but this market is just too big to pass up. You know, it, it, we get this from company after company after company. Like 
if uh let's just take a random one let's say the country of uruguay <laughs> was doing like the same things you know that that china does you know like there is no chance any of these companies are going anywhere near it so right. it's so obviously in this global market and how powerful china is i can almost see the businessmen going like look Come on, like we care. <laughs> but did you see those numbers? <laughs> did you see them? We can't pass, you know. So I, I feel like any any company that decides to get involved in that way in China could potentially run into those problems, and maybe more so even in the future. Because even though uh, uh, on a business sense, a lot of things are starting to interconnect more and more, on a political and global sense, they're starting to disconnect more and more. So this is where uh, there's a lot of different birds at play at the same time here. But what I'm hoping is that the cultural delineation actually helps the other problem, right? So here, here's here's one thing I thought about that I like about this, okay? Yeah. The true binds in life that are more important come from love. You know, the things that people really will like live and die for. And let's say, for example, now... A young Chinese kid, 12 years old, finds Justin Bieber. And they become a believer, you know, like a full-on Justin fan. And now, via Justin, they have like a human and emotional form of an American for them to see and to not hate. And this could be culturally helpful, no? In the way that, say, your government is like, America's doing this, America's doing that, and you can put it on this very black and white scale of like good and bad and, and evil and things like this. But then there's some kid in the middle of the country going, no, 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 no. But there's Justin and <laughs> there's other people like Justin. Yeah. There's just people in America. They're fine. You know, and I, so I think this is almost like in a weird way, the thing that it brought up to me in a larger sense was sort of that like power of globalism. And the idea that like culture and entertainment could potentially maybe drive these unifying bonds underneath the government and military work that's happening. Mm. And in the end, if you have an entire globe of people who are believers, <laughs> then, you know, like maybe it's easier to see eye to eye in one day. So, so I, as much as I do think it's problematic on a larger scale, I like the idea of pop music going into these countries. I like the idea of maybe us getting some back, you know? And I think like maybe this cultural distilling of ideas and stuff like could help. I don't think the problem has ever been the Chinese people don't like the American people, like, like the average run of the mill guy that goes to work every day. I think it, it, it's it's a government ideology thing. And I really think that's where the tension stops. Now, I mean, I, I, I guess you can break down every dispute in the history of the world that way. But most Americans probably have... Well, that's not true. But I, I, I'd probably say like most Chinese people probably don't have much ill will for actual American citizens. It's the government that they don't like. Yeah, I don't know about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, I like honestly really don't know about that. I don't think either of us do. You know, like like what hope, actual yeah. the singular Chinese idea of an American citizen is. But there's been a long history, just like in our own country, 
of of sowing seeds of doubt about these people you know what i mean yeah. like to uh to forget that we had the chinese exclusion act in the late 1800s yeah. and things like that inside of our own country we literally invited people here to work and then excluded them from government and services so it's like these little things that you know americans have an easy time brushing over because that's what we do <laughs> But it happened and people fucking remember. And they're also coming from a, a semi autocratic place that they've only been opened up to information and uh, worldly information seems only the last like 10 to 20 years. So anyone born prior to that was born with nothing but like anti-American rhetoric and stuff mm. like that. So I do think there's like a deep, deep divide going on in these countries. And that's why I hope like that that's what i'm talking about is something as silly as like a love for justin bieber you know might be the one of the ways to start toppling this down justin bieber and bts are going to bring us world peace it's happening bring it (laughs) bring it all right well kind of keeping it in you know benny i like to look at this this show as kind of a, a, a newspaper you'll get a lot of different things you know you'll get the silly you'll get the 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 music headlines you'll get the sports you'll get everything uh, so we kind of transition here in our business section of the newspaper. And, Benny, we've talked a lot in the past few weeks about cryptocurrency. They've been in the news. They're a hot topic of conversation. And uh, the crypto exchange FTX is close to finalizing a 19-year, $135 million deal to take over the naming rights of the Miami Heat's arena, uh, formerly known as the American Airlines Center. Uh, the venue will be renamed FTX Arena, which that's dope. Just three letters for an arena. Like uh, like pending it. approval of Miami-Dade County officials on Friday. Uh, not only in in the is the FTX agreement the first cryptocurrency exchange sponsor for a professional sports team in the U.S., it's one of the largest naming rights deal ever. However, the FTX deal looks like a bargain compared to stuff in recent years. Uh, Socia Bank Arena uh, got 21 years 639 million dollars metlife 425 million dollars city field 400 million dollars and the chase center 300 million dollars but compared to what american airlines paid the heat in their last deal 2.1 million it's quite quite the step up so what do you make of crypto getting into the murky business of naming rights well, first, I, there's one part of this story that confused me. And yeah. we've talked a little bit about this on the show in the past is like, you know, the the use of public funds for these for these arenas. Right. And how yeah. much uh, billionaire owners and stuff are just like eking the system for every cent they can get. One thing I noticed about this is when the American Airlines contract ran out at two point one million dollars a year, for some reason, the city stepped in and kept paying it. Until this FTX thing came along. So for the last two years, the city of Miami has been paying $2 million a year to essentially no one to keep it named American Airlines. Like, I don't understand what happens behind the scenes here, but this is another reflection of the fact that the people making these rules and the people giving the money are all playing (laughs) golf together on Sunday and coming up with this shit. But... The one thing about it, I, I have no uh, discourse one way or the other. If this is a crypto company, like good for them. If yeah. you have the money, you have a hundred thirty-five million dollars to toss at anything, then you get yourself a stadium. I I don't know what the fuck a MetLife does either. <laughs> I don't. Come on, you know MetLife. 
I don't Snoopy. know. I've heard the name. The Snoopy I don't know ads. what it does. I don't use their <laughs> services. It's just this, you know, like, you know, uh, giant monolith company that apparently can afford to to name a stadium. So uh, I'm still one of those people who who wishes things were named like Yankee Stadium and oh, Fenway yeah. Park and Candlestick Park and all this fun stuff that we used to get. I understand the monetary stuff. So or, I uh, can give a shit that it's a crypto company. Uh, as opposed to another company that's just another shady giant business to do their shady giant business things. Um, the one thing that I thought was interesting about the story is that Miami politicians said that they like accepted this company because they're looking to be on the cutting edge of crypto and being like a city that's on the cutting edge of this new form of currency. So maybe we're looking to Miami as one of the the leaders in in what we're going to see like you know for maybe you could buy an nft for a great party now <laughs> you know rather than going and sitting in the corner awkwardly <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. only listen i'm not a as you can see by my st Pauli <laughs> mug i'm not a south beach kind of guy you know <laughs> no but a, a lot of those you know silicon valley people have flocked down there it's like since New York and California in the past year have gone on under lockdown, a lot of Silicon Valley people have tried to go down to ta- uh, Florida for the taxes purposes. Right. New York people trying to escape lockdown up here. So it's it's an interesting thing when Wall Street meets Silicon Valley and Miami may be, you know, it may be like digital cocaine for them. Who knows? Yeah, there's another <laughs> point that I was wondering about, which is, and I don't want to name names, but I do know someone who worked in the in the stock market and finance in New York City in the New York City Stock Exchange and moved down to Miami and quickly found out that if you're not bilingual yeah. and you can't deal with Central and South America being a Miami businessman no thanks mm. because all their business goes that way yeah so one thing i wonder about them being on the cutting edge is potentially maybe using a more back channel system is a more useful way for them to do business with with Central and South America. So it might have something to do with it. Yeah, but I think that this is great for FTX. I mean, uh, how many companies have you know sponsored a stadium and they're like like I never heard of Pfizer before they sponsored the Pfizer Forum and like yeah, stuff like uh, that. But I mean, how isn't far there a, isn't there a smoothie stadium? Yeah, in New Smoothie Orleans? King in like, New Orleans. Come on, that's right. Got, like, <laughs> so... I don't get a free smoothie when I walk in. <laughs> so, but. I like this way much more, and we didn't talk about this when it happened a couple weeks ago, but uh, how Michigan State has uh, is now the Michigan State Spartans presented by Rocket Mortgage. Like, that's like their full oh team God. name. Like, it's, it's out so of hand. Insane. Yeah, it's out of hand. Pay these fucking dudes. Jesus. <laughs> All right, Benny, it has been a long day in the NBA today. You know, if if you blinked a second, you may have just missed a move. Uh Deals coming in hot and fast. NBA trade deadline day. So that brings us to it. It's been a while since we've done this, but another edition of NBA headliners. How this is going to work since so many moves went down today. Uh, we're each going to give our three favorite moves, um, starting from our favorite move down to the bottom. All right. So, Benny, you go first. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> now, I think one of the most intriguing things that we're going to be dealing with or we just dealt with is the fact that I think everybody saw the Miami Heat open window of last year, Mm -hmm. right? And B goes down. 
Durant's injury seems more serious and more prolonged. No one really knows what's going on. LeBron goes down. AD is not back. So all of a sudden we see this activity from the second tier of teams. You know, the Denver's, the Portland's, the Miami's, all the ones who are right there in the middle of the pack who are always just one series away from getting to a conference finals and finals. And they all saw that window this year. We predicted it early on that it could be a COVID type situation and uh, you don't really know what's going to happen by the end of this season. I think we're walking right into it and the door is open for some of these teams. Now, my favorite one as a result is the Denver Nuggets bringing Aaron Gordon into the mix. They uh, had been living uh, rotationally without Gary Harris for the bulk of this season. Good player, but offensively, so stifled that he's becoming uh, pretty selective in what he can do. RJ Hampton's a nice piece. They maybe got back and a first rounder, you know, uh, protected in 2025. So I don't think that the Nuggets gave up too much for him. Uh, it's not a very short rental. Um, you know, they they have a um, pretty easy access to keep him on the roster for next season while they figure out the. Uh, what they're going to do with Jokic and Porter and those guys, but automatically this moves the needle in a big way because you know, you're in that Paul Millsap, Jamichael green position. That's huh. been a bit of a problem for Denver all year. And they kind of been piecing it together and throwing different players in there. And now you have a sort of revved up Aaron Gordon, who's been huh. in this shitty situation for years. Like I said earlier in the, uh, in the other section is that, Aaron Gordon's been misused for years and I don't really even know what kind of player he is anymore. But what I do know is I was super tired of seeing him get the ball at the top of the key and them running pick and roll for him and Aaron Gordon handling the ball in Orlando. It just didn't work. And if anything works, it's Nikola Jokic who's now turning into the new LeBron James of making <laughs> everyone around him look really, really good. And things look easy. Gordon can drive. He can shoot, he can defend, he's versatile, and I think this uh, potentially could put could, could could put Denver over the top in the West. Yeah, so I'm going to keep it Florida adjacent here for my favorite move of the day. I'm going to have Victor Oladipo going to from the Rockets to the Miami Heat as my favorite move of the day because it's really quite the value deal. I mean, essentially all Miami had to give up uh, was Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 first-round draft pick swap. I mean, for a guy who's been a two-time All-Star. Now, I know what you're saying. It has looked terrible for him. He does not look like a two-time All-Star anymore. Quite frankly, he looks like a guy who gained a whole lot of of uh, unearned confidence, thought he was going to have this big payday kind of cash it in, trying to ride to that second paycheck. And now a lot of that's looking in doubt. He has a chance to go to Miami, join the culture, how many reclamation projects have we seen down there that have gone well? Um, and then combine that with Miami maybe not being done uh, between now and the buyout market, right. the the NBA after party, uh, where they could maybe lend a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge. They're allegedly the front runners there. I'll tell you what, Pat Riley has a way of doing some stuff, especially this time of year. This may be some more Pat Riley magic. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And they, you know, that, that, uh, 2022 first round swap, you know, is probably going to be significant mm. uh, in the idea that, you know, Houston will be 
nowhere near the lottery for a few years and Miami should be fairly entrenched in it. So, you know, they did get some value back. Um, we did question earlier whether Oladipo would yield a first round pick and in one way or another he did. Yeah. And I think you're looking for the highest version of what Oladipo is in the same situation. Uh, now the thing with him that I think it provides a team like Miami is defense. Mm. They've had some great shooters and exciting offensive players in that two guard spot for years, but have they had a really good versatile two way player there for years? No. Mm. So, uh, I think Oladipo is going to be asked to do less there, especially offensively and asked to do a little more, maybe defensively. And we'll see if his body holds up. I mean, but literally through the course of this year, he's been, you know, sitting out the second game of back-to-backs. Um, he doesn't seem totally healthy, and he uh-uh. doesn't seem to have ever fully recovered from uh, from the knee problems he had a couple of years ago. So I think it's a flyer, but as you said, they, they didn't give up so much that it's um, a flyer not worth taking. Who's your right. middle tier of the headliners? So, so next for me, I think this Blazers deal going out and getting uh norman powell is a pretty big deal um you have uh Nurkic coming back this week um now adding norman powell into the mix as like a proper starting two guard or i guess he'll start uh coming as the three for this team so you're now looking at a, a starting lineup involving damian lillard cj mccullum norman powell Nurkic. um this is pretty pretty packed and pretty powerful. And if there's anything uh, that's being proven over the course of this year is the fact, again, I know it's been hard for him since he's in Portland and he's had a couple playoff mishaps, but Damian Lillard is, he's an animal. Yeah, He's one of the premier players in the NBA. I don't know what else this guy has to do to prove that. And you start giving pieces like this around Damian Lillard, someone who draws that much attention and someone like Powell who can score in bunches, I like it. But the caveat to this for me is I do think the Blazers, this was a very win-now move. Um, I think the the contract with Powell and the fact that he's uh, maximized at what he can do probably right now, and the Raptors got back a little flexibility because they can move this hood contract and they got back a young player in Gary Trent Jr. who showed some flashes. So uh, I think Toronto wins a little bit on this too. It was time to move Norman Powell, and I think it was uh, beneficial for both teams. My next pick here for one of my favorite trades of the day. I really like Chicago. Chicago Bulls are going after. I'm not sure if it's going to be this year or next year they're going for it. But uh, landing Vucevic and Aminu, I mean, and to give up Wendell Carter Jr., that's kind of a big hit for your future, um, depending on, on what he could be. Otto Porter Jr. is going to be a buyout candidate probably in Orlando. Uh, Orlando also got two first-round picks as well um, with a few lottery protections in there. But what I love about this is because the Bulls have Vucevic now, uh, kind of unlocks a few different doors. You know, Billy Donovan has a sneaky way of getting good to great teams. Um, you know, there was some speculation about the future of Zach Levine in Chicago. There was future, uh, there was speculation about the future of Larry Markinen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put all this together, 
it's like a low it's not a big three but it's definitely like a medium-sized three that has a lot of potential to grow together i really like this it, it's a sign from chicago that hey we're not going to be bottom feeders in the eastern conference we have two all-stars on our team potentially yep. three i love the future of the chicago bulls right now yeah it's starting to look bright right and and they're even mixing it around some good young players mm-hmm. i mean uh, Pat Williams looks like a real player. He's nice. Kobe White looks like a yeah. real player. He's nice. And then also later uh, in this evening, the Bulls pulled off another trade where they got Daniel Theis right. from uh, Boston and Troy Brown Jr. from from the Wizards, who's who's a nice uh, uh, a nice uh, swing forward who can do a lot of different things. So pretty much the Bulls gave up on the Wendell Carter project, mm. which was you know trending down not as if he's a bad player but it was trending down there yeah because of the minutes and now you're basically replacing him with Vujicic and Daniel Theis and throwing Troy Brown into the mix so I think you're right I think the Bulls uh solidified themselves as uh, aiming for one of those middle middle tier teams in the east rather than one of the play-in game teams but it but it's about time and they have a mix of uh young players and financial flexibility that makes this all seem smart right now. All right. And then who is your last pick your last favorite trade here? See, now I'm going back and forth because at first I I really like this look of Evan Fournier going to the Celtics, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's a nice mix. I think they need uh, a little more help scoring, but then they made these other deals where I'm like, okay, what's Boston doing again? I don't Mm. really understand. Are they really that stoked on Robert Williams <laughs> that they're willing to give up Thice right now when they've had an issue the entire season? And maybe they know that they're getting Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge in the buyout market, and that would change things. Mm. But I'm, I'm pivoting quickly away from Boston because yeah. I don't like to deal as much as I did earlier in the day. And I got to talk about playoff Rondo. <laughs> Rondo heading back to the Clips this is a really interesting deal in the way is this Rondo going to Dallas three years ago or is this Rondo last season? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We don't know what this could turn into. And here's the caveat that I'm a little worried about here, right? What does Rondo do with Paul George? And does that change the dynamic of everything? Like, do you get in there? Are you a couple weeks in and Rondo gets a taste that your second best player has this kind of attitude going into the playoffs? I could see something fairly disastrous happening in that camp. But at the same time, we've also seen Rajon Rondo walk into these situations and become a player that you forgot he was. And he's done that a number of times. And he now has a chance walking in to a team that even though they're struggling is still uh, a four seed in the West still has Kawhi Leonard still has Paul George still has this stacked lineup. And if you get some version of playoff Rondo coming into the mix here, it really changes things. And, and at this point, Lou Williams was, um, uh, he was dangerous to even carry in the playoffs yeah. at this point. So I think it's a lot of fun. And I think there's a very high risk, high reward situation with Rondo here. Yeah. I think that there's a lot to like there, especially for, uh, the Hawks getting Lou Will because 
There is no more dangerous player, and I mean that in the best way possible, in the NBA than a highly motivated Lou Williams. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that didn't think his career and that he was going to be this dependable for, for this long. I mean, you look early on with Philadelphia, then in Atlanta, then in Los Angeles, and he just keeps it going. He's motivated. He's back home. Um, I, I know people made a big deal about the lemon pepper wings and it was close to Magic City and stuff like that. But a highly motivated Lou Will, man, you don't bet against that guy. So I really like that. And then, you know, having leadership in Rondo, I mean, it's like a coach on, on the floor out there. God, I hate to use that cliche because it's a but it's true. Uh, and it gives you what you need in the postseason. And that's really what the Clippers are looking for here. I mean, the only issue is like, you know what they really needed out of that spot, out of the one spot? They needed a little scoring, too. Yeah. And part of the reason, you know, Pat Beverly is limited is the fact that he can't give you too many options there. And, you know, Rondo's the same. He's a much better passer, much better playmaker and facilitator than Beverly. But yeah, we'll see about that fit. Now, can I give him a B here? Uh, it may be my third one. So, All right. Go first. Go first. All right. So I got kind of a off-the-grid one, a... Little known deal that happened today, but I really like JJ Reddick going to the Dallas Mavericks. That was here. my B. That was my B. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, it's look. Big. Yeah, no. I mean, look at how r- the role that Reddick uh, succeeded in in Philadelphia uh, when he could play pick and pop with Joel Embiid. Uh, if, if Porzingis is healthy, you can kind of have that similar kind of pick and pop with him. Uh, Luca can get it to wherever you want it. JJ has some of the best footwork in the game, has one of the highest basketball IQs in the game. And I know what the listener that is very in touch with the podcast community is going to think, all oh, these dudes are pandering. They want to get on 432. And you're damn right we do. <laughs> but I also think that this is a great basketball move as well. The Mavs also pick up Nico Melli in this. So I just yeah. think all around solid pickup for the Mavs as they look to go further in, in the playoffs. And on the Mavs point of view, uh, they worked really well when they had Seth Curry in the lineup last year, right. don't have him now, and JJ gives you that shooting that you need. You think JJ has like some uh, hipster cowboy hat he bought in like Park Slope that he gets <laughs> to like bring down to Dallas now? Oh, 100%. Something cool like that. Like, oh, <laughs> today when this happened, first thing he's like, I got to go out. I got to get some jeans. <laughs> you got to get some nice new jeans. But anyway, I think the big question with this one was what were we looking at with the Pelicans and Reddick, right? Yeah. Like, was that the wrong place for him? Was he not getting enough minutes? Was he not getting enough uh, uh, of the right looks? Or has J.J. Redick degraded a little bit? I mean... Um, I think we're going to find out exactly what that is now. But that being said, you know, I, I would like to say, oh, now you're in this situation where... You have Luca, and you have someone drawing the defense in, and you have all this room on the outside. But if there's anyone else in the mm-hmm. league that can do that, it's probably Zion Williamson. Yeah, that's so, true. We'll, we'll see, you know. But I think the little-known part of this, like you said, is uh, the Mavs getting Nikola Melli, mm. and I think he's could actually play a fairly major role. They need that spot too. They need a stretch four. It's like they've been uh, uh, begging Maxi Kleba to <laughs> shoot some threes over there. So I like uh, the Mavs taking a chance, giving up some, you know, players they didn't really care about in the second round pick to try to make it happen. But I don't know how much uh, JJ Reddick's moving the needle anymore. 
I mean, he's been hurt since March 3rd with that heel injury, but I mean, he's still shooting 40%. So uh, if he, they're, they're looking for this for the postseason. And I know that there were a bunch of teams trying to get Reddick for the postseason because that's that's when you're going to want all this come together. That's kind of when the contenders look to hit their stride at the right time. Right now, you know, for the regular season, you, you just kind of want to get him adjusted with the team, get him and Luca on the same page. But when we get to that postseason and you have a guy that can knock down shots because the shooting, I mean, that is the thing that ages well with any player that puts the effort into it. And 40% shooter for a couple of guys that you weren't that interested in a second round pick. I'd take that every time. All right. Let's each pick one team. Yeah. That made the biggest jump today. All right. Do you have a team in mind? Do you want to go first? I got, I got to say, I'm sticking with Denver here. Yeah, it's tough. I'm sticking with Denver. And and because we didn't mention another part of this. And I know, listen, he's a silly guy. Hmm. At least he got a Grammy this year. But Denver picked up JaVale, JaVale McGee yeah. as well today for very, very little. And I'm not saying JaVale McGee is a great player. But JaVale McGee coming in for 12, 15 minutes a night on a team like that is is something you really need. Uh, giving up uh, Gordon, changing the rotation, uh, getting Harris out of there and bringing some more lively, lively offensive players. I don't know. I think Denver really, really, really was was on the peak of being very excellent prior to this. Yeah. And now they have a chance to be great. And one thing, you know, can you consider Jokic, Murray, and MPJ as some version of a big three at this point. Yeah, I mean, definitely for sure. I at mean, at least a potential big three, right? So, right. you're adding Aaron Gordon to that mix, yeah. who is, you know, not not a, a gigantic player, but if you're going out there every night and Aaron Gordon is your fourth best player on the floor, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's the kind of three that you want. Uh, it's it's reliable. I mean. Denver is so deep. I mean, if, if you look at their box score every night, you're like, that guy's on the bench? That guy's yeah. on the bench? It's absolutely yeah. incredible. But your question was, what team took the biggest jump? Now, yes, Denver took the stride to, you know, they, they moved the needle to get into that championship conversation. Absolutely. But I think, you know, I've, I've got to go back to Miami here as, as a team that could put themselves on the map. You know, if, say... I don't know if, if if we're using like 2K ratings. If, if if say Denver started the day at an 88, they may have bumped up to 90, but like <laughs> Miami was probably at like like maybe like a 78 or like an 80, and they bumped up in, in the like the 74 to like 86 uh, in, in the 84 to 86 region. So mm-hmm. numbers wise, in terms of like 2K stuff, they probably made that kind of jump. So in terms of significant jump, I'd probably go with Miami here. And look at this. First night since the trade, what did Tyler Hero need to get motivated? <laughs> he needed the idea of another two guard coming to town. And what does he do? He's got 27 tonight, five of nine from three, seven dimes. See, all of a sudden, sometimes you just need a little competition over there, you know? That's what you think motivated him? How many IG models do you think he's going to get up to Tampa slash Toronto? It's zero, and that's what yeah. motivates Tyler Hero at the end of the day. Listen, if he doesn't get his starting job back, you don't get those IG models anymore. They go starters only. It's in the hashtag. That should have been the name of this podcast, starters only. Starters only. only. <laughs> I like that. 
One more topic we just want to get on quick before we get out of your hair. Benny, I don't know if you saw us on social media this past week, but uh, Jeopardy fans, I did not know that they were so vocal until, uh, you know, you go to try to find a new host for their show. But Dr. <laughs> Oz has been hosting Jeopardy, and these people want him gone immediately. Hilarious. It's hilarious. Uh, I should note that Aaron Rodgers takes over after Dr. Oz. I think that's going to be <laughs> okay. interesting. I think that's going to be very interesting. Right. Um, names such as Anderson Cooper, Savannah Guthrie, Bill Whitaker are also set to get their turn. Whitaker, by the way, CBS News, long shot to make it, but I, I think it's exactly what they're looking for. But, Benny, what do you make of this? Do you care? Trying to ease our yeah. way into the weekend with a good Dr. Oz story. Your thoughts? Oh, no, I care. <laughs> I care deeply. And I think the problem with this is like, this is one of those things where you don't realize what you had until it was gone. Oh, yeah. And Alex Trebek is like TV game shows like Mariano Rivera. Yeah. We just, we took him for granted. <laughs> you know, we did. He was so good. And the one thing I'm realizing about him is like, since Trebek was like, a Canadian broadcaster. No one really knew anything about him before he came to Jeopardy. And the one thing he always was was just Jeopardy host. Yeah. He was flat. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't know what Alex Trebek believed in. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know if that guy was a republic, a conservative. I have no idea. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think made him beautiful for that role. And everybody you're talking about here, you know, with Dr. Oz yeah. and Anderson Coop, they've all had too many fucking opinions <laughs> to be my Jeopardy host. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I don't want an opinion on Jeopardy. <laughs> like, this is the one place. Dr. Oz is a, uh, he's Dr. Phil to me. He's just like a really charismatic doctor who found some angle where people want to listen to him. Don't give a shit about him as a Jeopardy host. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, sure, it's going to be funny. Obviously, he's not a real consideration. Anderson Cooper, he has the perfect hair for it. But again, he's just been involved in like politics for yeah. too long. So I think they're reaching in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. And I think they got to find another like just young broadcasting type who <laughs> has like no, you know, yeah. feet in the game whatsoever, or else they're going to ruin Jeopardy. Benny, are you suggesting that I host Jeopardy? Or have I had too many opinions? <laughs> I think you've said too much already on the tune up. Been hanging out with me too long. You That's can't funny. do Jeopardy anymore. You know who I want to host Jeopardy? And I'm surprised no one else has thought of this. We gotta get LeVar Burton hosting Jeopardy. Are you kidding? Right. Like he the reading pretty, rainbow. Yeah, he was LeVar pretty Burton high reads. up on the, the early polls. I thought he was gonna get some love for that. And yeah. he has not had his day in the sun yet. What are you doing, Jeopardy? Get LeVar Burton in there. Who doesn't love LeVar Burton? Yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. Well, we've touched on a bunch of things. If you want to have your say, you can email us at the Podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there. You can follow us all the social platforms, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Almost forgot about that one. At the Tune-Up HQ. Uh, if you joined us on the Twitch today, uh, you all already know the Tune-Up on Twitch. Boy, that went lousy. Uh, if you want to follow the big man, we'll work it out. (laughs) He is at Benny Horowitz. One number one in your mind, number one in your heart, number one on Twitter. Though I saw somebody else the other day that had had one after their name on Twitter that was like a notable person, and I was like, get off Benny's turf. I am (laughs) at Denny underscore Gallagher. (laughs) Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, everybody love everyone out there. Enjoy the first touches of spring. Plant some stuff. Save the earth. You know, seventy degrees. It's skinny dipping season. You've been listening to The Tune-Up.